Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Where's the guru? Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, all you Valley sports fans. Happy November. And off we go into another month for the for the eighth or ninth or tenth consecutive year. Absolutely zero trick or treaters at my house. Really? <laughs> and it's the darndest. And thing. you were prepared again. No, no, I, I actually was given up. No, yeah, I did did not buy any candy at all. I had like a handful of singles in case anybody <laughs> knocked on the door. I just give them a buck. Now go away, kid. Craft singles, <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah, trick or treat. Sorry, I don't got any candy, kids. I'll just make it rain. This is what happens. This is what happens. Right, right. This this is what happens when you live in an aging community with not a lot of children. At the end of a uphill cul-de-sac, mm. people look at my street and go, I'm not walking up there. Yeah, there's also kid- a gate, a security guard, and a moat. No, there's <laughs> not. No, there's not. My kids are old now, so like I'm, I'm not in tune with what happens on Halloween. Is it, it, you know, is it still as popular as it was? I remember being a kid. Maybe you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. When I lived in New York, which I only lived there until I was seven, but we would go trick-or-treating right after school. Mm-hmm. And then we moved out here, and all of our friends that we had made already were like... Tonight, we'll go trick-or-treating. Like, wait, you go trick-or-treating at night? Why not take advantage of the daylight and get an early start? Right. Yeah, there was some of that. But then I think what people realize is that if you show up at people's houses at 3.30, they They're might not, there. not be home. Yeah, yeah. Right. especially on a weekday. Yeah. yeah. I'm I, sure I know the weather I've, plays in. I know I've told the story repeatedly, but Halloween is the holiday when I realize just how stupid I can be. Yeah? The story when I went trick-or-treating the day after Halloween. First time I ever went trick-or-treating, I loved it so much, I thought it was a great idea to go back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and you How dressed up go? again, too. I, uh, first house I knocked on, they thought it was cute. They gave me candy. Second house I went to, they thought it was cute. They gave me candy. Third house I went to, what the hell's the matter with you, kid? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk to your parents. Did you wear the same costume? Yes. <laughs> so did you go to the same, you went to the same houses yeah, two I days just, in a row? Yeah, I, just, I remember you from yeah, last night, listen, young man. I, I, and again, I, I look back on that, I go, man, how dense was I? No, you were entrepreneurial. Oh, entrepreneurial. Exactly the yeah. word. That's exactly No, I don't it. think that was the word. I don't think that would describe me. I went trick-or-treating with my niece and nephew, and it was very populated. Really? Was it? Between, it, like, it, 6 it, and 8 at p.m. Yeah, it depends, I guess, on the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, like Bick said, you know, if you got an aging neighborhood. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I've lived in places where it was very popular and lived in other places oh, yeah. where it was totally dead. Yeah, yeah. 
You got to find the right neighbor. You got to find the right neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. You got to find flat streets, close homes in close proximity mm-hmm. to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of That's houses that do that are decorated. Yeah, then you know they're into giving people, out. People actually target communities and go trick or treat in them. They oh, yeah. are not even their own communities. Oh, I lived in one of those yeah, communities. Right. Yeah, see? there used to be tra- like traffic backed up with people trying to get <laughs> into the yeah. neighborhood. And here's park. the here's the other thing. Since this fell on a Monday, the entire weekend was also filled with trick or treating stuff like events, drunk yes. or treat, if you've heard of that. Yes. Yes. I, don't, I have heard of that. And various businesses also do. Yeah. People like park their car so you could just uh, go in a parking lot and. And like. That's a church thing, too. Oh, is it? Growing up, yes, because they rather than having you go out to the neighborhoods, it was like, hey, all of the cars here I'm stuffed learning, with candy. Learning so much today. How Plus, Halloween that? is yeah. the devil's holiday. Yeah. Well, there yeah. is that as well. How about that? Scares Gambo. <laughs> That's right. It does. Yeah. All right. So I like movies about Halloween. <laughs> evil. Start the show, Jarrett. No, what's evil, Vinny? Hotel the stories making waves in the sports world. The scarier song has never been written. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Warm smell of Kalitas. Look, look, they're stabbing it with their steely knives. Rising up in the air. (laughs) Day off today for the Arizona Cardinals following their week eight loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury has already ruled center Rodney Hudson out for Sunday's home game against the Seahawks. That'll be the fifth straight game Hudson has missed. Let the mystery continue to build. Kingsbury also said running back James Conner, who's missed two straight games his day-to-day, could be back this week against Seattle or in Week 10 against the Rams. Sunday starts a pivotal make-or-break stretch for the Cardinals, during which they play three consecutive division opponents. I think to be relevant, I hate to be harsh, I think they got to win all three. Yeah, they, or at least two, maybe all three. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. And and again, it's it's not a lot of optimism, in my opinion. No, I agree, I agree with you. There we go. <laughs> a lot of agreement this morning. Uh, week 8 wrapped up in Cleveland last night, and it was a spooky night for the team dressed in Halloween black and orange. The Browns dominated the Bengals 32-13. Nick Chubb ran for 103 yards and two scores. Jacoby Brissett threw for 278 and a touchdown, and the Cleveland defense held the Bengals to 229 yards of offense. Browns now 3-5, and five, Bengals 4-4. Four and four. I could only think of, wow, Jamar Chase isn't there. Here's another team whose whole offense is up you know, disrupted by the absence of one wide receiver. Sound familiar? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. NFL, they have really good <laughs> number two and three wide receivers. Yes, they do. NFL trade deadline hits today. More teams jumped in on the action yesterday ahead of said deadline. The Baltimore Ravens acquired linebacker Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears who were having their fire sale. Everything must Bears. go! Uh, in uh, exchange for linebacker A.J. Klein, a second rounder and a fifth rounder next year. Rams head coach Sean McVay said Monday he expects wide receiver Cooper Cup to play this weekend versus Tampa Bay, despite Cup suffering an ankle injury late in the team's 31-14 loss to uh, San Francisco on Sunday. So consider consider that a bullet dodge for the Rams. 
Not that you didn't think this was going to happen, but Arizona State will stay with quarterback Trenton Borgay as their starter. This week, uh, Borgay threw for 435 yards and three touchdown passes in the Devils' road win at Colorado last Saturday. A little tougher this week as the 10th-ranked UCLA Bruins come to Tempe to face the yeah, Sun Devils. Yeah, a much stiffer test yes. is what this is. This is a legitimacy test. So if the Sean Aguano experiment went building momentum, losing it in one week, regaining it by taking over play call duties and changing quarterbacks. This is kind of the the fulcrum game. (laughs) (laughs) Suns continue their six-game homestand with game number four tonight at Footprint Center. They will welcome Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and the Minnesota Timberwolves to town. Suns come into the game with the best record of the Western Conference. Center DeAndre Ayton remains out with an ankle injury. Torrey Craig, who's been productive off the bench, questionable for tonight's game with a sore left heel. Minnesota four and three. They're coming off a loss to the Spurs on Sunday. Tip-off 7 o'clock, national TV on TNT. You can hear it on the Arizona Sports app. And here on 98.7, beginning with pregame coverage at 6.30. We'll get into some Suns talk today as well. Coyotes also in action. Still looking for their first win at Mullet Arena in Tempe. Tonight's opponent, the Florida Panthers. Yotes dropped consecutive 3-2 decisions to Winnipeg and the Rangers to start their first ever home stretch at their temporary new digs. Florida comes in 5-3-1, fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Puck drops at 7. Pregame coverage at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. We'll have Shane Doan to talk some hockey on in the 8 o'clock hour today. Uh, Mother Nature took over in Philadelphia with the rain postponing Game 3 of the World Series in Philly. Lance McCullers Jr. goes for the Astros against a lefty. Ranger Suarez for the Phils, who are skipping Noah Syndergaard now that the rain delayed Game 3 by a day. It's the first World Series game to be postponed since Game 6 in 2011, but it's the fourth straight World Series that the Phillies have had a home game postponed by rain. Yeah, listen, that's 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 the eastern seaboard, man. That's I was the, told it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, no, Somebody lied. No, no, no. The best thing about the, yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, Justin Ver- Verlander got off the team bus, and there's a bunch of Philly fans uh-huh. booing him, yeah. and he flips him off, gives him the Philly salute. And there was so much, I saw a still shot of that first, and there was so much misinformation that was out there, because Justin Verlander was sitting in a spot on the bus where the outer glass had been broken. Yeah, They're like, right. look at the Philly fans are animals, they yeah. broke that. Yeah. He tweeted out, no, it was like that. Calm down. We were having fun. <laughs> uh, Zach Gallon of the Diamondbacks was named as one of the three finalists for the Players Choice Award for outstanding pitcher in the National League, which I guess is a thing. I didn't know. Uh, Gallon, along with Miami's Sandy Alcantara and Julio Urias of the Dodgers are finalists. The winner will be announced on Thursday because the Cy Young's not enough. We need more awards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for hardware on Mondays. Oh, here boy. On Morrow right, morning. Exactly. Uh, college football, Brian Harson stay at head coach at Auburn. A short one. The school fired Harson in just his second season after the Tigers got off to a 3-5 and five start. Three straight double-digit losses to SEC opponents, including including a 14-point loss to Arkansas on Saturday. Former Auburn running back Cadillac Williams, remember him? He'll be the interim head coach. Harson finishes his time at Auburn 9-12 and and walks away with $15.5 million in buyout money. Oof. And could be a candidate for ASU should yeah. they go down that road. Yeah. What do you think of that? Eh. Yeah, me too. He eh. was under investigation after yeah. one year at yeah. Auburn. Got uh-huh. cleared, but eh. yeah, maybe not. 
Uh, in college basketball, Arizona guard Courtney Ramey, a Texas transfer, suspended for the first three games of the year because he played in a non-sanctioned, uh, non-NCAA-sanctioned uh, event, the Portsmouth Invitational. Ramey will miss the Wildcats' first three games against Nichols State, Southern, and Utah Tech. Talk about your murderer's row right there. <laughs> Do you think they'll be okay? I think they might be okay. I had to look up Utah Tech. I was like, what is that? Is that real? Dixie State changed their name. To oh, U- is that right? Utah okay. Tech, yeah. Got it. Now you really... Oh, oh, Dixie State. Yeah, sure, now yeah. you really okay, know sorry. everything you need to know on this uh, this Tuesday morning. They make those cups. <laughs> Uh, Coming up, we'll get into some Cardinals talks and more reaction from the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, about their loss to Minnesota on Sunday. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chan Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Three division games, so I know our guys are... um... Disappointed in, in yesterday's result, but we know we got to get back to business and um, you know be better versus Seattle. I think the last time we played them, um, you know they had a great game plan. We didn't probably execute like we would have wanted, and uh, we have an opportunity to play better this this week. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, yesterday addressing the media. Again, with the tip of the cap to the opposition. Great yeah. game plan for Seattle last time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Same old stuff, man. Can we assume at this point that every NFL team has a great plan going into every game? Especially when they play the Cardinals. (laughs) Yeah, you can definitely assume that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Listen, part of it's interesting watching some people react to to this loss. I was listening to some of Wolf yesterday who thinks the return of James Conner is going to make this team whole. That being able to get a, a real... Uh, first string running back in there is going to make a dramatic difference. Um, I heard Gambo blaming most of the game on the defense over the weekend. There's a lot of ways this game is being interpreted. To me, I just I would like to see this football team get a play in. Every play looks like it's a struggle to happen from huddle to snap. Now I'm not even talking about the execution. I'm talking about the play call to through the huddle to the line. To the snap. Yes. Other teams make it look so simple. That's, you know why? That's the, why I don't have a ton of optimism right now. The most basic thing in football, they can't even do. Yeah, I mean, driving is really hard if you can't start the car. I mean, it, 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 all of these things have a process to them, and it's just weird to see a team struggle like this over and over and over again to the point now where they're huddling. The quarterback's wearing a play wristband for the first time. Yeah. These guys have been together, quarterback and head coach slash play caller, for three and a half years. That's that's exactly why I am at my wit's end with this football team. Because this is, it's malfeasance is what it is. And nobody can tell me otherwise. No one can prove otherwise because of exactly what you just said. This is the middle of year four. Yes. Same offense, same coach, same quarterback and you can't get a play in on the James Conner point that you brought up and I heard Wolf talking about that too uh, I would respectfully like to disagree with Wolf we're all big James Conner fans he certainly helps you'd much rather have him out there than not out there right 
But I'm sorry, a guy who's running behind a patchwork offensive line who was averaging 3.7 yards per carry and 40 yards per game before the patchwork offensive line took over yep. doesn't necessarily strike me as an offensive savior. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly, exactly. So this offensive line is going to be an issue. This Rodney Hudson thing is quite the mystery. He is, uh, it, 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 there does not seem to be a whole lot of want to, unless I'm reading the situation wrong. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of concrete information on the severity of no. the injury either. No. Other than he is day-to-day in a game-time decision, and then all of a sudden he's out for the next game on a Monday. Yes. Right. So they're, they're keeping everything so close to the chest, all it does is leave the speculation on yeah. what's really going on. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on Hudson being out. Yeah, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl caliber center, very uh, established leader, very cerebral, um, great at the mic points, doing all those things. So if you lose a piece like that, it's, it's never going to be easy to replace him. And um, So we'll see when we get him back. No, and I go back, and I hate to be you know the, the Tuesday morning quarterback here, but if you go back to the draft... And I'm not going to backtrack from my stance that, hey, the Cardinals traded their first-round pick and got Hollywood Brown because Hollywood Brown, before the injury, was actually one of the better offensive players on this team. Mm -hmm. But on draft night, Gambo reported, hey, if the Cardinals had kept that pick, they were going to draft Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, who is starting in Baltimore. I don't know. He went viral last week for absolutely dominating repeatedly Devin White from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just manhandling him. Mm -hmm. And here the Cardinals are. uh, I I think, from, from my viewpoint... They had to do a lot of convincing and coaxing Rodney Hudson to come back and play football yeah, this year. Yeah, it sure seems it that way. It definitely seems that yeah. way right now. Yeah, it really does. And so I think, it, and, and that's kind of what they're stuck with now. So the offensive line is not in good shape going into this weekend. I think the return of DJ Humphreys will help, obviously. Um, but it, the thing, that, uh, for Cliff to point out that... Uh, when I when this team looks at Seattle, they feel good. They feel better because they know they can hang. We feel like we we didn't play well the first time. Here's the issue with this: if the rest of the league has figured out this offense, and uh, unless D Hop is doing something magical, or unless Kyler is doing uh, something miraculous, it, the offense goes no place. Right? We've seen that. Mm-hmm. So. It, what worries me is when you're going up against these division opponents now who have seen this offense twice as much as everybody else, the familiarity is not their friend in this equation, in my opinion. Not at all, and especially in this instance, with a second game against Seattle and this close of a proximity together, Yeah, Seattle's got to be really feeling confident about it, like, oh man, we... We figured it out, and and now now yeah. the onus is on Cliff Kingsbury to make the adjustment, which has not been a strong. Start. Are you telling me you think that Pete Carroll might be able better prepared than Cliff Kingsbury? That might be. It might. Be. It's a possibility. I, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. One of the one of the most alarming optics from the game in Seattle was how Pete Carroll did not believe for one minute that that game was going to be a shootout. That he was very comfortable playing a defensive field goal kind of game, mm-hmm. and and it, uh, too comfortable when you're going up against a guru. So I so I think that this is this is kind of what worries me. So the Cardinals are going to have to be extra good. They're going up against a team that that's feeling it now. I mean, the yeah. fact that the Seattle Seahawks are in first place is staggering. We talk about this this concept of get right games and go back to that first Seattle game. Hey, it's a get right game for the Cardinals offense. They're going up against this this porous 
screen door of a, of a defense in Seattle, well, Seattle figured them out. And that was the get-right game for the Seattle defense because since then, they gave up 23 points and 329 yards to the Chargers in a win and completely shut down the Giants last week. Yep. 225 yards and 13 points. They've won three straight since they saw the Cardinals. Yeah, and and they've got a quarterback who's the story of the league, as we talked about before the show even began. He might be one of the most unlikely MVP candidates we have ever seen in the National Football League. Probably since Mark Mosley. <laughs> Remember when he won the MVP as a kicker? A straight-on toe kicker? Did you see that story? For a, here's, a, here's a hard left-hand turn. Did you see that story last week about the last barefoot kicker? No. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Sounds like an Adam Sandler song. It, it kind of does. And, I, and I'm trying to remember what the dude's name was because he came clean and he said, people always give me credit for being a barefoot kicker. They never noticed that I, how much tape I wrapped around the, you know, his foot. His yeah. nose. Mike Lansford? Is that who you're talking about? That, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what him. Google turns up. Yeah. Last barefoot kicker, Mike Lansford. That's him. That's him. And, and so I, that got me thinking. Do you know how painful that would be? Could you kick a football barefoot? Look, this is how stupid we were as kids. <laughs> we would watch football, and in the 80s, barefoot kickers were a thing. Like, there was, you know, a handful of them. Uh, Tony Franklin was a barefoot kicker, I believe. There was a bunch of them. So on the playground, you'd be like, oh, he kicks without a... Without a I, I never would do it with a barefoot. I would keep uh, my sock on. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> this, now this, it also says Rich Carlos could be known as the last barefoot kicker. Oh, there you go. Another yeah, that's one. not the guy. The controversy. Mike, Mike Lance. My controversy of the last barefoot kicker. <gasps> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. So that's how stinky the football would be. Oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, here's the story. Well, it's also dangerous. I mean, there's a lot of people with sharp cleats running around your vicinity. So this story that was published last week on ESPN.com, the secret identity of the NFL's last barefoot kicker, they say it's Jeff Wilkins. What the hell? We got to get to the bottom of this debate. Is it Lanford? Is it Wilkins? Is it Carlos? <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I don't know. You've uncovered. Yeah, you've opened up Pandora's box here. Quite a conspiracy here. <laughs> Sounds like a thirty for thirty. You've opened up Pandora's. Smells like a thirty for thirty. What if I told you? You've opened up Pandora's sock drawer. <laughs> you text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, Suns cruising right now, but injuries starting to set in. We'll get into a little Suns talk straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Edwards is about as explosive and big and strong as any two guard in the league. And D'Angelo is just a crafty, wise point guard. He just knows how to play. So you partner that with the size. It poses some challenges for you. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, talking about their next opponent, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are in town tonight at Footprint Center. Uh, both teams off to pretty good starts. Suns, 5-1, and one, best record in the Western Conference right now. 
Uh, Timberwolves with a you know a different look, adding you know a second big and Rudy Gobert who's had uh, some good games and some not so great games, but they're four and yeah. three as they find their footing. This is a, a good basketball team, um, which I think the Timberwolves Bick are going to get stronger as the year goes on with familiarity. Now, I've gone on record and I remain in this category. I'm I'm not the world's biggest believer in Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not a huge believer in any team that relies heavily on D'Angelo Russell. No. I think Anthony Edwards is a budding star, but he yeah. hasn't reached that consistent no. level to yeah. do it every night. Yeah. Um, but this is a good basketball team, uh, and, and uh, this will be a good challenge the, for the uh, Suns. The, the incident last year with Carl Anthony Towns and JaVale McGee was, was one of those crystallizing moments when you saw exactly what's holding that team back, and they just they don't have the requisite dogs, if you will. And that's an overused cliche in sports, but it's really true with Carl Anthony Towns. It's definitely too, true with D'Angelo Russell, and, it's, and, and I agree with you about Anthony Edwards. He's a sensational talent, but he's not at that level where it's there every night. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're a good basketball team. I don't think the Suns really fear them. I, I think this is this is kind of like I think Devin Booker looks at this team and it's kind of like yeah you know it just it he probably yeah I, I got those guys. It's funny in the old school NBA you would say oh my goodness they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert the Suns are missing Aiton you know they're just going to pound the ball inside 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 and dominate against the Suns but that's just not how the game is played no. and that advantage doesn't really mean much. It'll be fun count how many times Carl Anthony Towns steps in the paint tonight yeah. when they're on offense. Yeah so right exactly exactly so um yeah I I think it, this is uh, the Suns are in a good place I think that that. It, it, they've done exactly what people would hope that we're hoping that they would do yeah. is sort of quell all those lingering fears that this team was done. They look very much like they're um, an elite team at the moment. The bench is functioning far better than I thought it was going to. Yes, Mikhail Bridges is leveled up. You can see it. Um, I'm not sure if Da has yet, but he's been pretty good. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, Chris Paul, uh, after Sunday's game against Houston, he joined Al McCoy and Tim Kempton and John Bloom on the Suns Radio Network uh, and talked about uh, you know Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges and their changing roles on them initiating offense and handling the ball. To play, you know, we've been so, I mean, heavy-centric on me and Devin and stuff like that over the last few years. It's, it's nice to play where Cam Johnson's handling the ball, Mikael Bridges, everybody. It's an equal opportunity. Opportunity to offense, and uh, I, got, I, I keep saying the same thing, but it's a fun way to play. It is, and it's been fun to watch too, especially when the Suns get out in transition. The, the Suns over the past couple years, you know, they've always been known as a fast break offensive team. But there were some real disjointed fast breaks where you're like, that's the shot they got, or maybe they didn't get a shot at all. Yeah. Their fast break. Um, ability early in the season is clicking. Like, there's been some picture-perfect breaks run where they yeah. get easy hoops and a yeah. lot of passing without the ball hitting the ground. And Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson have been a big part of, of, of that so far. So I think that experiment early on has paid off. Uh, to your point uh, on the bench, I couldn't, yeah. couldn't agree more. Coming out of the preseason where we try to read importance into those games and what everybody looks like, one of the takeaways was, uh-oh, this bench is not very good. You take away JaVale McGee, you take away Cam Johnson, who's now in the starting lineup, and you don't replace Jay Crowder, uh-oh, who's mm-hmm. going to step up? Those guys have stepped up, and even you know Bismack Biombo, who's in his time with the Suns has been, a, in case of emergency, break glass kind of guy. 
Well, DeAndre Ayton's out, so they broke the glass. Bismack yeah. starts, and and the last two games he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah, and and the teammates have been raving about his professionalism. A guy that can be able to do that, stay engaged with real erratic minutes, mm-hmm. and then suddenly in an emergency, hey, go start. Okay, let me start. Okay, so yeah, no, I'm I'm with that. I I think that um, clearly long term questions don't need to be addressed just yet. Nope. I, I, right. So, but I think that in terms of in terms of of just flow. Steve Kerr remarked after the Suns beat the Warriors that the Suns look really buttoned up right now, and he meant that as a compliment. They look really crisp. Like, like they know, like they're into it. Yeah, they know what they're doing and they're functioning. And it, it, for that to jump off off the court to Steve Kerr, I think is very interesting. And and again, I think it's it's been very very reassuring. You can you can hear just in in, in the times we've opened up the phone lines how how people are just how, they're they're relieved <laughs> that the Suns are back to winning basketball yeah, games like very convincingly. The Valley sports band sports fan angst has been reduced by the. The sun's getting off to a good start because everybody's so angsty about the Cardinals. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So we had both. We had two of these teams coming off those very traumatic playoff experiences, and one's dealing with it a lot better than the other right yeah. now. I do wonder though, at what point it becomes like, okay, we get it. You've proven you know how to win regular season games. Yes. Let's get to the playoffs already. Yeah, but I was going to go back to that point too, and and pivoting off what Steve Kerr said, mm-hmm. it is a compliment. Hey, it's early November. Every team's got six or seven games behind them right now. For the Suns, with a lot of, you know, not a lot, but a, a different looking second unit, certainly. Yeah. For them to be this buttoned up, it right. is reassuring. It is a compliment, definitely. But can you stay buttoned up and keep that level up for 82 regular season games? And if you're going to make a deep playoff run, I mean, you could play 28 playoff games. You're talking about 110 basketball games. Yeah. It is a grind. The Suns figured that out last year right. in the worst way possible, where the first 82 games were pretty much a breeze. Not even, actually, not even the first 82. About the first yeah. 72 were a breeze. Yeah. And then it became a slog after that. And I'm wondering just the psychological you know, lifting that that takes to maintain that, that business-like approach for up to that many games. It, it's really tough. Yeah, no, and, and again, and I think that a couple of things that I like so far that I've seen, let's see, if you go all the way back, um, there's a school of thought out there that what really cost the Suns last year was that their defense was nowhere near as good in the playoffs as it was the previous year when they went to the finals, mm-hmm. and certainly their rebounding was not as good. So you look at that Dallas game, and uh, for instance, one of the big headlines out of that Dallas game was Chris Paul sitting the finals, what, six 41 of the game, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, and we all thought, well, he's just campaign has got this under control. Let's just keep this thing in rhythm. Well, what that allowed, that, that allowed them to put a bigger guy on, on Luca and just focus on defense. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's, that's a sign of a coaching staff that's smart and realizes exactly where this team needs to kind of get better. Well, coaching staff, yes. And Chris Paul actually talked about that too, about he's – Kind of taking on the role of a coach when he's not on the floor. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm. We together all day, every day. So right. you see the type of work the guys put in. You know, we gotta. Uh, what coach I always say? Like our gym is always live. Right. You know, campaign guys in there shooting. So when we out there playing, we know our standard and we want to try to play to it. There was a, a a note, and Chris Paul is great at this. And it was I I forget the the details of the game, but that game Sunday night against Houston was close most of the way. The Suns pulled away late for a 15 point win. 
you know, when that dust up happened, it was a two it was a two point game. The Suns led by two. So things are close coming down the stretch. Chris Paul gets off the bench, is ready to come in and spell campaign, and he gets to the scorer's table. Suns come down on the possession. Campaign hits a three. Chris Paul just taps Monty on the back, says, Up, oh, I'm going back. Ride this guy wow, as much as cool. you can ride that's him. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So he's very aware of what's working and what's not working. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of good signs here. Now, I, I do think long-term, I, I read a story about this recently, and I think this, this is really the fundamental issue. Very few basketball teams have gotten all the way to a championship with just one dominant score. Mm-hmm. Jordan's done it. Giannis has done it. Even though Giannis had some help, yeah, I mean Jordan had Pippen too. I mean it, it's and those are extreme examples, but they weren't all alone on an island. The Mavs with Dirk, maybe. Yeah, listen to somebody who lived, Scott. Scotty was really a complimentary player. He was he was not a guy that could really just kind of produce it himself. As a guy that lived it, yes, I, I mean, but the production was there production at was the there. end of the game. Yeah, he, he put up there. numbers. Okay, um, so there there is that. So it, it, where is that going to come from? You know, no, that guy. That's that guy's on the shelf right now. Yeah, All I right. think I think it's DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nets got a big win last night, bitch. Yeah, how about it? Yeah. save Steve Nash's job for the minute. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, week eight is in the books in the NFL. Lots to react to around the league outside Arizona. We'll do it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. No, I don't think so. I, I would actually say Dallas, to me, is the second best team in the NFC just because I think um, what we saw on Sunday, which is how good their quarterback can play uh, when he is playing at you know his highest level and how he elevates that offense, not just playing within it, but uh, making plays and creating and going above and beyond. But that said, you know, I would definitely put the Niners next. Uh, we know how good that defense is. They've been sensational all year, except for the Kansas City game. And I think you saw the piece that sort of the element, rather, that Christian McCaffrey adds, which is he gives them not only an you know, incredibly talented receiver and apparently thrower, but also an answer against different pressure looks, which has kind of been an issue for Jimmy Garoppolo over the years. It's Mina Kimes of ESPN when asked the question, <clears throat> are the San Francisco 49ers the second best team in the NFC? Assuming Philadelphia's first is what I get from that question. She says, no, <laughs> Dallas second, uh-huh. San Francisco third. Isn't it interesting, the Cardinals' Sunday opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, who are sitting at a nice place at 6-1, and one, not mentioned. Not even in the conversation. Uh, we talked about yeah. the Vikings kind of being beneficiaries of maybe a light schedule and yeah. getting teams that are struggling, and you can't blame them for that. They've beaten six of their seven opponents, but I don't know if anybody's really considering the Minnesota Vikings to be all that legit. What I mean, what did your eyeballs tell you? I think they're okay. Yeah. Okay, they're good. Yeah, they're, yeah I was. They don't. They don't look elite to me. That's what my eyeballs told me. They've got some elite players. Uh, I think their defense is really good. That Zadarius Smith guy is monstrously talented. They got some nice pieces, but but they don't have the complete 
package, if you will. It's just, and again, it just, it's the quarterback. Kirk Cousins is so up and down. What one possession he can make throws and plays that blow your mind. That'll stack that with a couple of three and outs. And, and it, I don't know. I, I'm just not the biggest fan of him. And, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of in that same category. And so I think the way Mina breaks it down is probably accurate. You've got to give the edge to the Cowboys based on Dak Prescott and, and what he brings to the table, which is more than Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. But I, I will say this, though. I, I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of that 49ers game, but that second half of that 49ers game was a demolition of the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, and that was without Debo Samuel. Yeah. And that but defense is no joke. At Christian McCaffrey, he is going to be if he stays healthy. It, 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 he's going to have he's going to put up some sensational numbers there. It's going to be funny because DeAndre Hopkins, after missing six games, he's still on pace for a thousand yard receiving season. <laughs> he's on pace for a hundred catches and a thousand yards, even though he missed six games. He's got he's the already- second most yards. Of any Cardinals wide receiver Does right he now. Really? Yeah. Robbie Anderson. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the 49ers defense, by the way, to Mina Kimes point in that soundbite, they've held six different opponents under three hundred yards this year. Including the Rams, who got two twenty three, and that's the third lowest total they've allowed this year. That defense is nasty. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice when Debo Samuel is not available that you can just unleash a player like Christian McCaffrey, whom they got from from Carolina in his second game, having a historic game. And now George Kittle's looking really good again for them. They and, and you know of all the teams that people are talking about as contenders in either conference, uh, I'll put Buffalo up there too. Buffalo has dealt with a lot of injuries, especially in their secondary, and they're yeah. about to get Tre'Davious White back, which is huge. San Francisco always deals with injuries. And they seem to navigate pretty well through it. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right about that. So I uh, again, I I the thing about the NFC is because of Aaron Rodgers, because of Tom Brady, it, it really doesn't. And their struggles, and, and they're both on three and five teams that neither one might make the playoffs, and it 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 just feels wide open because it is because it is. But but again, to get there is another matter, and this is one of the things that you know if if you if you're a veteran watching football, you know a couple things. Around this time every year in November, going into December, the teams that know they're good that feel we're really in this. There's a great vibe to those kind of teams. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll throw you a few different examples. Watching Buffalo over the weekend, Josh Allen made this incredible play. He started to run. He stopped. He pulled up. His tight end had fallen down on the play. He got back up, and he kind of at the last second threw a touchdown pass to him. Josh Allen got to the sidelines, and his teammates were like lifting him up in the air. And I thought, we've never seen that with Kyler Murray. Never. Even though he's done some miraculous things himself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was footage of Bill Belichick getting a game ball from Robert Kraft after passing George Hallis. Yes. And, and so at the end of this big um, introduction from Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick simply gets up and tells the room, players win games. And I'm just really thankful we've got really good players. And that room goes nuts. Then I saw footage, I don't know if you saw this, Pete Carroll bringing in a mentalist. Do you see that guy, Dr. O's something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah, that video. But, but you can see that Seahawks team, that there's a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Cardinals have a vibe, and it's hard to have a vibe when you can't get a play. Not they have a bad vibe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so this is if if the Cardinals are going to do anything with this season, that's going to have to grow. That's going to have to become a thing because you bring that with you to the field. But I mean, 
Can you just decide one day, hey, no. we're going to have a vibe? No, no you can't. Can. It's all about chemistry and what relationships, those relationships trust, and results. Yeah. And results. And that's only going to be more under the microscope once the HBO cameras start filming oh, everything. I keep we, forgetting about that. Yeah, and that starts next week, right? Yeah, next, yeah, 10 days from now. Next Wednesday, I th- or is it Thursday? It's the 11th, whatever the 11th is. Oh. I did put it in my phone. I thought it was the 9th. <laughs> you would be correct. Okay. It is next Wednesday, the 9th. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're stop eight. acting like Jarrett, Sarah. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Shut at least up, I Jared. had the information, Jarrett. Start rubbing your eyes, yeah. Jarrett. <laughs> um, look, when, when that news broke, you're always and look at that a hard knocks uh, promo right now on, uh, on NFL Network as we look up at the TV. As we speak, wow. um, it was shaping up to be fascinating. With these recurring issues that the Cardinals are going through, which we'll talk about more in, on today's show. This is going to be, if you are invested in the Arizona Cardinals, you're gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the show with my with my mouth open. Like, <laughs> yeah, how oh, are I they know. dealing with these issues? Because we don't. I mean, the Cardinals. Well, they're to still their buttoned credit, up. Yeah, yes, to their credit, they are a buttoned up organization. A lot of information doesn't get out unless it's from you know John H. Barry, and it ends up on some player's chair in the locker room. <laughs> that information <laughs> usually stays in house. Even if it comes out two years later, uh-huh. I'm joking, of course. That, but. No, that's a, that's a great, great point because this is at, at the root of it all. It's a paradox here. It's a, it's a football team that keeps everything. I mean, ultra paranoid about information, mm-hmm. and yet they're opening their doors to these cameras. Why? Because Michael Bidwell understands this is a great branding opportunity for us. There are players like J.J. Watt who will love this, who will shine in this kind of environment. You know. Yes, but but if, if this, this is, is chronicling uh, continues to chronicle a, a struggle, JJ Watt's also a competitor who likes to win. Yeah, he's really good on camera. Yeah, it could flip on him. No, listen. It, what's going to be fascinating about it is exactly that because this football team, you know, they because they are very buttoned up like that because they don't have a lot of guys who are prone to go up and just really kind of you know entertain the media or entertain fans through the media, mm-hmm. this is going to be very, very revealing. This this the show is going to be a revelation. We're going to, like you said, I'm going to be sitting there as well, looking just as, okay, how is this team functioning on the inside compared to how we see it function on Sunday? Is there something we're not seeing about Cliff Kingsbury, the way he handles a team, the way he leads the team? I think we can ask those same questions to the quarterback, Kyler Murray. Yeah, That's a microscope thing. on him, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the real same thing. Can't wait. Yeah, be very I know because you, as you pointed out, one of the one of the elements of Sunday's game was that the that that demeanor thing started to pop up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a ton, but a it little bit. Certainly did. And and you heard Darren Urban yesterday say that you could hear very obvious anger through the walls before means, the media which came means in. Means people were screaming, stuff was getting thrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Which is, hey, I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Actual human emotion. Compared to <laughs> apathy? Yeah. Is that the credit we're oh, giving? Well, another loss. Thanks for caring. Let's fly home. Uh, coming up next, we'll continue to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Those communication issues, well, turns out they're not just limited to the offensive side of the ball. That and more next. Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.